0: Welcome back to the Conjugate Chats with Aaron Abraham here and your host, John Mark Raspberry, Coach Raspberry, at that. I have Aaron Abraham on here, and he is a graduate assistant strength and conditioning coach at Millersville University. Aaron, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great, John Mark. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. How are you?
0: I'm doing well myself, man. All right, let's, so let's go ahead and jump into it. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your story.
1: Yeah, so um, I initially got into strength and conditioning in high school. I was blessed to be um, surrounded by it um, at a young age. I think it was in like a gym class. We had uh, athletic strength and conditioning as an option. So I, um, I got into it. And first day I walked in the weight room, I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, also growing up, I wasn't really a great athlete. I played basketball and eventually played lacrosse in college. And um, I just was always getting hurt due to different medical reasons and stuff like that. Um, and then it was kind of the weight room that that kind of kept me on the field, which is awesome. And so coming out of high school, I knew I wanted to be a strength coach, so I wanted to study exercise science. Um, first two years, I played the cross at this small division three school called Concordia University in Chicago. Um, Eventually, I realized we didn't have a strength and conditioning department there because it was Division three, and there was really no way for me to get involved or get my foot in the door anywhere. So I transferred to a school called Eastern Illinois University, um, where I volunteered there for, with their strength and conditioning staff for almost two years. I worked with their Olympic sports um, department for about a year, and then I worked with their football staff for about a semester. Um, after that, after I graduated in December of 2020, I did an internship uh, with Northwestern University, also in Chicago. Um, I'm from the Chicago area, so it was just convenient during the pandemic to just be able to do a local internship there. It was great. I got to work with the Olympic sports staff there. Um, after that, I um, I was trying to take the CSES. I took it um, two times. I didn't pass it, and so, and I was also applying for graduate assistantships. And if you don't have that CSCS, you're most likely not going to get a GA spot anywhere. So the guys in Northwestern told me, hey, um, you might just need to get some more experience, get another internship under your belt. So I ended up um, moving to Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, summer of 2020. Um, uh, I did a summer internship there with their football sports performance staff. And while I was there, I passed the CSCS, which is great. Um, And then while I was there, I also got hired, um, got the call, got hired here at Millersville. I've been here since August um, of last year, August of 2021. Um, I'm in charge of six or seven teams here. um, And then I also assist with the rest of the teams in in our athletics department. Um, It's been great here. We're in a Division II school, so it's been awesome getting my hands on almost everything here. And I've been able to work with pretty much every sport. I've even been able to work with sports medicine and like game operations and different things outside of strength and conditioning, just because it's a smaller school. So it's been a really cool experience here. Been able to get my feet wet. Um yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. What year did you graduate college by chance?
1: I graduated in December of twenty twenty.
0: So we're pretty similar in age here. Because okay. I, um, I went to school at a small D3 school in Illinois as well, in, uh, oh, really? Eureka College. If you,
1: Oh, yeah. I yeah. went there
0: for four years and got my kinesiology athletic training degree. So it was kind of cool because I was like, oh, Concordia, I know exactly where that's at. You know where and it Eastern is. Eastern Illinois, <laughs> Illinois, I was like, yeah, I know exactly where that's at. So that's awesome.
1: Are you from uh, Illinois?
0: I'm originally from Tennessee. And When I was like 14, I moved up to Illinois because my dad's work and so i kind of stuck around for about eight years up there i did my high school and colleges up there and then when i graduated in 2019 i moved back down to tennessee
1: okay sweet small world
0: small world absolutely um okay. so do you have any hobbies outside of strength conditioning because i know and i talked about it yesterday with monty we kind of get wrapped up in being our hobbies are Working out, you know, speed work, agility, you know, the whole strength conditioning. Do you have anything like outside of that that you do regularly?
1: It's funny you say that. I was just telling somebody, like, as a strength coach, we spend hundreds of hours in the weight room a week. And I mean, we do that because we love the weight room. Right. But for most people outside of, let's say, like fitness or strength and conditioning, they use the weight room or like exercise as a stress reliever, as a hobby. And for me, I can't really see it that way because it, it's, it adds more stress to my life. It's positive stress. Like I love it. Don't get me wrong. Right. But uh, but um, I can't go and work out to relieve stress because that's my job. Um, but outside of strength and conditioning, um, I do do a couple other things. I like to read a lot. I like to read a lot of self-help business books, leadership books things like that. Um, I also have a podcast of my own that I started um, over the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's um, called the Daisy Halftime Show. Um, I'm of South Asian descent, and sports and health and our culture isn't really, like, the top priority, and that's kind of what I talk about in my podcast as well. I have different guests on as well. Um, Other than that, um, I really love playing basketball. I grew up playing basketball. I just try to get immersed in a lot of different things, try out new things um, outside of the weight room.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a question that I, I like to ask strength coaches because we do get wrapped up in that personality. You know, the weight room's hours and stuff like that, and then right. I like to hear what other people do outside the weight room, outside of the field house, the, the field, you know, the court, whatever. You know, yeah. is there anything that you do outside of there? But uh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. So you kind of already talked about why you went into strength and conditioning, uh, you know, being a former athlete and all that kind of stuff. So let's talk about your coaching philosophy. What is your coaching philosophy? Yeah,
1: it's a really interesting question. I think, like, number one, for sure, um, is our job as strength and conditioning coaches is to create the most durable athletic athletes and um, mitigate injury. So my number one goal is safety and um, injury resiliency, building that stuff in within our athletes. Um, after that, I don't really try to put um, fitness or like exercise principles in my philosophy because I think those things are so variable depending on your population that you serve. But um, the next two pillars in my philosophy are consistency and discipline. Um, I know those can be thrown around like buzzwords sometimes, but I think If you really break it down and actually kind of figure out what those two words mean to you i think you can't really see any results in the weight room without being consistent at something or and without being disciplined and showing up every day um at something so i think those are the two things i mean even if you you're having a streak of of um, days where you can't really you're really feeling hurt or you haven't hit a pr or something like that you stay consistent with it and stay disciplined and even if you don't feel like going to the weight room um you still go i think there's tremendous benefits like long term um the last pillar i would say in my in my coaching philosophy is kind of i could break it down into two but it's to empower um my student athletes and to create kind of a positive training environment um empowering them i would say um we only get these student athletes or these athletes for Three to five hours a week at the most um and so it really matters what they do outside of the weight room um and so because of that i like to build in things into my training programs that teach them how to be leaders teach them how to communicate with each other i always tell them like hey i'm not the only coach here you guys can coach each other up too and um that's one thing i always that's why i try to keep my um training programs as simple as possible and not try to vary the movements and the exercises too much so that they so that the seniors can eventually pick up and the upperclassmen can pick up what we're doing and if i can't watch 30 people i there's always somebody else there that can watch too and um they can teach each other they can mentor each other because we're not going to be there for them the rest of their lives their teachers aren't their coaches aren't um yeah and then in terms of um In terms of creating a positive environment, I think a lot of these athletes, like you never know, sometimes they may just be be having a bad day or they may not wanna come um, and train or practice or play a game. Uh, Sometimes they may just be there um, for the scholarship to get their education. Sometimes it could be feeling burnt out. Um, So I think it's important to be aware of those things and to make the weight room kind of a positive, environment for them make it somewhere to come and release that kind of tension and get their mind off of things if that makes sense yeah
0: absolutely and uh okay yeah, that's awesome you know we talk about keeping programs simple and uh, yeah. i work in the high school realm so you know high school kids 14 between 14 and 18 years old you know these kids are right. either awkward or they don't know better so you know, keeping the program simple is huge, and it's kind of refreshing to hear that at the D two you know collegiate level as well. You know, you yeah. saying that as well.
1: I read your um, I read your article about not um, about not giving freshmen, uh high school freshman uh, barbells. I think it's it's so I think it's great that you even approach it from that view. I remember being a freshman in high school, and they gave me PVC pipes, and that's what taught me the movements. You know what I mean? They didn't even let me touch a barbell until I could. They didn't even let me back squat until I could um, gobble squat like 50 pounds. You know, I think right. it's so important that you just get the technique down before you even advance them and take it slow. But it's uh, exercise is a lifelong, definitely a lifelong process.
0: Absolutely. And like, it's not just freshmen as well. I use freshmen because, you know, more than likely they're not coming from a program that teaches them you know proper technique in middle school. So I just I kinda you know, single out the freshmen, but the school I walked in, I mean there was, you know, some sophomores that needed to regress before they could progress in you know programs and you know, they were having the best movement quality that they can and and uh so you know, they're doing the freshman quote unquote freshman program right now, but uh I mean they weren't too happy about it, but at the same time like I'd rather them progress better and have a regress and then progress better than to put a barbell on their backs with you know 315 you know back squat and right. have their hips shot for the rest of their lives so
1: 100 percent. you got to give them what they need um not exactly what you want or what they want but what you think is best for them
0: right absolutely um i love this question here it's become a real popular question for me and i love asking questions or asking this question in particular what are your non-negotiables in your program?
1: Okay, that's interesting. Um, Okay, so when I think about like a day-to-day program, I always break it down into different um, sections. Um, And I'm pretty sure a lot of coaches do this similarly. I'm not like reinventing the wheel or anything. Um, But I think when it comes to programming um, on a day-to-day basis, have to get your plyos, all your power movements, um, um, high intensity movements out of the way. First, um, you have to do your strength. You should, I, I do my strength movements after and then I do, um, hypertrophy or injury, injury prevention things. Um, third on that list. And I think every, if, at least if I'm doing like a three-day program or something, I have to, I have to have those three things check marked off because a lot of times, I mean, this is going back to like periodization stuff, but A lot of times we get, maybe we get caught up in like linear periodization or undulating periodization. But um, the reality of it is that if we want to build the most durable athletes, I personally think they we have to have some concentration of all the energy systems, all the focuses year round. Uh, One may be higher than the other at any given point, depending on the season. But I think we should always be checking those boxes um, to be able to create the most athletic um, athletes we can.
0: I got you. Absolutely. And you know, working with your athletes here, how do you build buy-in with your athletes, and how do you even build buy-in with coaches?
1: Oh man, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think I was telling somebody this. It should be in the job description for strength coaches that you have to you have to communicate with hundreds of people on a daily or on a weekly basis because it's all about communication. I think it's more communication than even like programming X's and O's. Um, and it's so rough when you, when you're just coming in off an internship and you've never had a team assignment or you've never like actually led a team before. It's weird and you get the nerves and all that. Um, but I think it comes with practice. I think first off, building any buy-in is a relationship thing and there's like an art and a science to it, but I think that's not something you can rush, I think, um, you it definitely takes time to build those relationships with their athletes and that's something that I was always eager to do and sometimes I jumped the gun a little bit I was like a a thing a young a young coach's mistake on my part but I think it takes time and I think my first month or two in at Millersville was hard because I mean they were used to another GA that was there before them for two years and so they were kind of they were all nice to me for the most part, but, I mean, it was kind of hard to build buy-in, all the athletes buy-in, and they didn't trust me yet, which is not their fault. Um, they shouldn't trust me yet because they don't know who I am. Um, but I'd say after three to four months, they slowly started warming up to me. And then in my second semester here at Millersville, it was um, they really started buying into what I was doing, and I had a lot more um, autonomy with what I could do because they trusted me a lot more. Um, And I think building buy-in is hard, but it's just something that takes time. And at the beginning, uh, I don't think you should sacrifice your principles in your training philosophy in order to build buy-in because, um, for example, if if you let loose on your principles, they're going to walk all over you, especially if they don't know you. And so you have to, at the beginning, a lot of young coaches make that mistake of letting athletes walk all over them. But I think you have to be firm with the principles first, and in the long term, they'll definitely the student athletes will definitely realize that okay, he cares about us, he wants us to do the right thing, he wants us um to be held accountable and and to win, and that's really what it's what it's about for the most part is winning and building uh good student athletes, building good people, and I think that sorry I went off on a rant, I totally didn't out the question, but no, not- I think that's a good buy-in, um. And yeah, that's how you build. That's how I go about it,
0: at least. Gotcha. No, go on rants and take as long as you need to, you know, to get out all your thoughts. <laughs> Me and Monty yesterday, when I was doing his pod, uh, we sat on here for two and a half hours, and we just sat really? there. Yeah, we sat there and just talked. It, it was awesome. Was awesome. Getting to know him was really awesome, and that was the whole point of doing this: is to get know coaches, you know, across all spectrums. Like I got, right. I got, you know, collegiate coaches. I got high school coaches i got private sector i mean like I, it's awesome man and like hearing your mentality when it comes to like building buy-in and seeing where you're from that's what i've really wanted to highlight you know yeah. um and the- i will
1: add, yeah i can i can add that um building buy-in also also a lot of people um associated with motivation almost and as strength coaches, it's almost like a stereotype. We have to motivate, motivate. You know, when you're working out at 6 a.m. in the morning, like, you can't just be lackadaisical with your coaching efforts. But at the same time, if it's not your personality to to um, to um, jump, be jumping off the walls and all that, what are you going to do? You know, and that was something I'm, I was struggling with. And I think you have to figure out things that work for you. And it was interesting. In January, I started – we started this little – gag thing on my Instagram page where um I used to bring in a Pop Tart to work almost every other week or every other day. Um and just as a snack to munch on during the day. And I think it was our interns started started roasting me a little bit. They were like, hey, they started getting on me like you should like you should uh tag, you should make do like Pop Tart reviews on Instagram, attack Pop Tart and you'll get sponsored or something like that. And so they were like, uh just do it. So we did. We started doing that. I started. Um, they started taking videos of me. I posted on my story of me, um, eating a pop tart like once once a week, and posting a review of it. And eventually, our athletes started seeing it, and they they used to come in even if it was like six a.m. Like, hey, what's the pop tart for today? You know what I mean? That's awesome. Yeah. So it's just and eventually they started bringing me pop tarts to review, and they're like, oh, you have to guess what kind it is and all that, and. I'm not a type of guy at 6 a.m. where I'm going to be jumping off the walls and stuff. But that's just something that, like, passively I'm building that that buy-in where they already come in and they're excited for something. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, it doesn't have to be exactly for working out, but they're already awake, you know, and ready to go, which, I mean, I think that's powerful. And it may not be a pop-time review for everybody. But at the same time, you just got to find what works for you.
0: Absolutely. So going off a little bit off script, what's your favorite pot tart?
1: Oh, man. I would have to say brown sugar cinnamon for sure. Gotcha. I know that's a basic one. That's a real basic one, but I love that one.
0: If it's the classics, I mean, you can't beat the classics here. Oh, you cannot. All right. So let's talk about uh, what do you feel makes a strength conditioning coach or staff the most successful okay
1: yeah i think this is huge and uh, i'll talk about like a staff what i think makes a staff successful first um i think you have to build into the overall call co- buy into the overall culture of the team they're training um this probably probably applies a little bit more to football and basketball because um they're a little bit more in um only football and basketball sometimes but When you're in that kind of culture, it's not always just about you and your in your weight room, Um, you have to kind of break down those walls and those silos and you have to be able to go and connect with athletic trainers, with the basketball staff, with the with the nutritionist, if you have one and um, you guys have to work together as a team. I think it's so powerful when you can go beyond your scope as a strength coach and kind of understand that you're not the only one there. Right, it's kind of a team effort in order to improve the team. And I think that's such a a powerful skill to be able to collaborate with all these other disciplines. And I think um, that's something that we need to be pushing more of in the industry. Um, As a coach, I think you just need to be able to adapt to who your athletes are. Um, I always say like, don't program what you wanna program or like what exercises you think are cool program what you think your athletes need to improve all right um i think those are the two biggest things i would say for a strength coach and a staff in general
0: gotcha uh so the next few questions here are a little bit more personal okay. okay um i named it the cognitive chats for a reason i think the title is a little misleading because we don't really get to really talk about like training myth. i mean we do but we don't get, yeah. you know, we don't really get to really talk about training methods. It's, it's more about you and your story and all that kind of stuff. You know, your perspective of things. And, okay. uh, you know, when I talked to George and Monty, you know, I had them talk about a lot of training methodologies and philosophies and ideas and speed training, you know, all this kind of stuff. With you, I wanted to take it a little bit different approach because I know you have been around for. You know, you went to Northwestern, you went to Eastern Illinois, you went to Tennessee. Now you're at Millersville. You know, you kind of been, you kind of been all over the place, man. Um, One thing, these next few questions, I just want to know, you know, you, you know, more personally. And the questions that I come up with, this first one here, I said, "What's it like being a graduate assistant?"
1: Ah, okay. (laughs) It's um, it's pretty hectic, but I think if you Get a job as a strength and conditioning GA, you most of the time know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, I knew what I was getting myself into. That's why I don't really complain about the job or the work hours. But I think transitioning from an intern to a strength, to a GA is difficult because most of the time as a a volunteer intern, you don't really have any real, like major assignments, like a team assignment or anything like that. You really only know what it's like to coach a group of 20 to 50 athletes when you actually do it when you actually start doing it um and so that's something i struggled with um my first semester here at millersville and um another big thing was programming uh when i when i first got hired i was kind of working online and meeting with my boss and we were programming everything out and he was like all right do what you need to do like program what you want Like you have full autonomy so i did and then when I got there to coach my program, I realized, like, half of this stuff doesn't even work because of the weight room I'm in. Like, logistically, it just wouldn't work. And I, I came from bigger schools, and I didn't really understand that, okay, I have limited resources now. And so um, I really had to dive deep, do some soul searching into my programming. My philosophy is, like, why do I have this, this, this in my program when I don't really need it? It's all kind of just fluff. Um, and I, and I, that's when I went back down to the bare bones minimum and kind of built off of there and I kind of have a structure in place now that I do. Um, but it's a skill that I picked up when, again, just diving deep and kind of reading into different programming styles and reading into different, um, management books, logistic like business books and trying to draw from different, um, elements to make myself a better kind of manager of the weight room, manager of my program and i think it's just a skill that will take you everywhere if you're able to adapt to whatever setting you're in Uh, whether you're division three or in high school or the nfl team um being able to adapt to your situation um is definitely definitely big and i think uh when i when i came in i was so attached to one type of programming style i don't even know what it was it was just a programming style that i learned from northwestern or from tennessee Um, and then I realized that, okay, like their programming doesn't necessarily work everywhere. Like you have to do what's best for you and your athletes and your weight room. Um, so, so I heard it was a video on elite FCS one time it was, um, Matt Rhodes talking about, it was like a short clip of him ranting about young strength coaches. He's saying some of these coaches come in and they think they know everything, which was shocking to me because I probably was like that. And he said, you just have to be a sponge, like try to soak everything in. Don't judge anything that anybody's telling you, just soak it in. And then when you start coaching and programming, you can kind of decipher what you discern what you need in your toolbox. And um, so for right now as a GA, you should or, or an intern, just make your toolbox as big as possible, you know, and soak everything in, sponge everything in. And then once you become a coach and you're actually in the trenches coaching then you can kind of t- shrink your toolbox a little bit more and tell what you need, what you can throw out, things like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to reiterate that point that you made talking about, like, how young, co- young strength coaches think they know everything, you know, coming in. I mean, when, uh, when I got out of college in 2019, I went into physical therapy, you know, I worked at a physical therapy clinic for a couple of years. And then I went and made the career change to high school. Cause I wanted to be a high school strength coach. And, uh, I, you know, I'm a teacher right now trying to make my way through the high school realms and stuff like that. And I was like that when uh, I went to my first teaching job, worked with a football team. stuff like that, I thought I could take on hell with a water gun, you know, yeah. that sort of right. thing. And I kind of laughing myself now. I was like, god i didn't know anything back then <laughs> you know I, yeah you know right now i'm pretty comfortable where i'm at right now but like back then it's like i i don't know anything um yeah
1: exactly i was i was in a similar situation uh when i was applying for ga ships um um i got an opportunity from a school called a school in missouri it was an nni, NNI school i'll leave the name out of it um but um they offered, they, they had never had a, a strength conditioning department before, and I kind of reached out to them and said, um, hey, I could be a GA for you guys, if, like, and I could do some strength conditioning stuff for you. And so they ended up offering me a, a, creating like a GA strength conditioning position and offering me the the degree, but without any, um without any uh, stipend. And I thought it was a great, great deal, you know, and it was, it was great. And at the time I told you, I wasn't really getting any other hits for any GA spots. I didn't have my CSCS and the guys, the guys that I was coaching for at the time were like, Hey, like you've never done this before. Like this is your second or third internship. You've never actually coached before. Like the, the point of a graduate assistant is so you can get the experience and but also learn from um, other people as well. And build that relationship for two years with another head coach or another staff. And that kind of opened my eyes. I was like, all right, like, do I want this opportunity or do I hold out for maybe something better? I didn't know if I was even going to get anything better. Uh, Eventually I did, but that just goes to show that, I mean, you stay humble and kind of hold out for something better sometimes, like, it'll work out.
0: So there's still colleges out there that did not have a strength conditioning coach.
1: Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. If you go to the D3 and like NAIA, they're still trying to mandate that kind of stuff, like a CSCS and all that.
0: I, I didn't even know that. Like, when I went to Eureka, uh, uh-huh. my strength coach there, and first of all, I didn't know what a strength coach was till I got to Eureka, <laughs> your College. Like, okay. my high school, you know, our football coaches did the best, the best they could. And, you know, they researched everything, and they gave us the best program they could. Absolutely, and I appreciated everything they did for me. But when I got to Eureka, it was night and day, you know, it was uh, some of my technique had to be, you know, realigned and readjusted and, you know, it was a lot more in depth than I've realized that, you know, I, th- I just thought you, you know, worked out and lifted weights and ran just because, you know, that was good for you and, you know, that, you know, just get stronger and that was it. But no, yeah. uh, my strength coach, he was at CSCS. He's at Bradley University now and okay. um too, yeah. yeah he and he's oh, man it it was awesome i loved it yeah. i was a 5:30 a.m guy I, i'm a morning person so like yeah when we had morning workouts at 5 a.m I, I was i was all over it so it's awesome that's awesome yeah all right so does your training differ from your athlete's training so like you just told me before we even got started you told me that you worked out before you got here um does your own like personal training differ from athletes?
1: So I think majority of the time I I don't differ. It. It's just so I can stay in touch with what I'm programming. I know how, what the athletes are going through. I usually pick a sport that I'm programming or that I'm working with. And I do their pro- program. Um, sometimes it gets a little rough with the GA schedule. I can't always lift four or five days a week. Sometimes it's two or three. So um I think the most important thing for me is just that I stay consistent with my training. Um, some days it, I may have been in the weight room for 10 hours. I don't feel like doing an hour, an hour lift or, or run and a lift. So I may just cut it short, do something a little bit shorter, but uh, whatever it is, I always try to have some aspect of what I'm training my athletes in my own personal program for sure. I think it's important to walk the talk, not just talk the talk.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I- I I would hope that most coaches do that. It's because like I want to feel what my athletes are feeling. Like if and I had a personal rule of thumb, if I can't do it, then I'm not going to program it.
1: Okay. You know, if yeah. I can't
0: demonstrate it, then I'm not going to put it in there. Why would I put something in there that I can't demonstrate or do? So that's kind exactly. of a uh, personal mentality with that. But yeah, I think it's important yeah. that strength coaches, whether you're private sector or you know you know collegiate that you practice what you preach and ultimately you preach what you practice as well. So
1: exactly. Yeah, I think it's I think that's such a good point. I think I actually learned that lesson the hard way. Only program what you can do. And I mean I kind of learned it for demoing for other coaches and their programs. And that's the hardest. Yeah. When you didn't even program it and somebody else wants you to demo it on the spot. I've messed up so many times, messed up technique, messed up how it's done um it, and but i mean that eventually made me better when i'm programming my own stuff you know and demoing my own stuff right absolutely
0: um so i really wanted to ask this question for you because it's something that i was curious about ever since you messaged me this on twitter so you have started and founded what is the department of young strength coaches so tell us how it got started and how it actually came to be
1: yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, Department of Young Strength coaches D O Y C is something I started kind of um, for fun on the side. I, I teaching other young strength coaches and guiding other um, younger younger coaches is definitely something that's a passion of mine. I'm not gonna say I'm an old coach by any means. Like I'm still young too. Um, I don't know anything, but I always, whenever I read an article or find a good video or want to talk shop, I always send that kind of stuff to my friends that are in the field. And they're always like, this is great. Like, thank you, appreciate it. Um, So I thought like, why not just have like a centralized platform for this kind of stuff. And um, over the past few years, I've been meeting a lot of like younger strength coaches just through the network. And I thought it was cool to have like a centralized spot for this. Um, And I saw there was another platform, the Strength Coach Job Network. They also started the group on um, Discord and so I was like, that's actually a really good idea. So I wanted to do one specifically for younger strength coaches um, because it's hard. Like sometimes you don't know what to do when you get in the field. Um, I didn't really know what to do. There was nobody that really like taught me when I first started, like what, what to do, how to get a graduate assistantship, how to get an internship. Um, and so I think that's kind of what inspired it. And it kind of just, uh, what we do is we have monthly or bi-monthly discussion posts um, that I post and anybody on there can kind of um, get into it and and talk shop about it. And anybody's welcome to join. We can definitely put the link to join um, wherever you post it. Um, right now we have about 30 to 50 people on there. And then we also have other groups on there where if anybody knows like a, an open internship that they have a connection to or open job, like we can post that. We post stuff about financial stuff, like how to save money as a, as a young strength coach, things like that. Um, what else do we got on there? Um, we're working on rolling out like an internship review kind of database. Um, me and one of the other guys on there are trying to do that so people could put reviews of their internships. And that'd be really cool. Um, There's the CSCS
0: prep as well.
1: Yes, yeah, CSCS prep is on there as well. We got some great resources. Uh, one of my buddies on there, he's taken the CSCS multiple times, and he passed it. I think it was two years ago, and it and so he's definitely an expert at it, and he's so passionate about teaching other people about it. So he's been a great resource on there, and um, it's just for anybody to share resources on there. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a big part of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely and um i don't know if you realize this or not do you know the guy named jack mccormick on there
1: oh yeah yeah yeah
0: me and him went to high school together oh really yeah so he was like oh, i
1: know from Illinois. yeah okay yeah he,
0: he went to the same high school as i did we were uh he's two years younger than me and um okay. i saw his name pop up and i was like i wonder yeah. if this is the same guy i went to high school with so it's kind of cool to see it come almost like full circle full cer- yeah
1: yeah, yeah. So. I think he, re- I forgot if he reached out to me or followed me and then I sent him the link or something, but I talked to him, uh, when we first uh, met over the phone and he's at Susquehanna college right now, yep. I believe it's part-time, but yeah.
0: Yep. yep. He, yeah. He, he messaged me the other day talking about the freshman barbell kind of <laughs> vein, Oh yeah. What he was going to try to do it over there, I think, but,
1: uh, okay.
0: yeah, he kind of asked me a few questions about it, but yeah. 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 Okay. It. Absolutely. And you uh, kind you kind of touched on this one here. So the other day, I was talking to Monty, and his biggest advice for young strength coaches is to find a mentor. And mm-hmm. I was wondering, do you have a mentor, or who who is your mentor?
1: Yeah, I think it's I think that's definitely important, and I think the concept of mentorship has almost been not taboo, but it's weird to hear for some people because it sounds like such like a, like a formal kind of relationship. But I've realized over the years it doesn't have to be anything formal. It could just be like an older friend or somebody that knows a little bit more and they're willing to guide you and you can provide them value too. Um, and for me, I realize it's not um, like a one person mentorship, but you can have as many resources as you need. Um, whether you want to keep your circle small or you want to connect to other people, like, it's totally up to you. But I have mentors and resources in my life for different areas of my life. I realize is very important um, for strength and conditioning. I'd say my number one mentor, his name is Ryan Nozak. Um, I first met him when I was at Concordia in Chicago. He was an assistant director at DePaul University in Chicago. Um, I originally apply, uh, applied to be his intern, and just because of my class schedule, I couldn't do it. But we ended up staying in touch. I did a few site visits with him, and ever since then, he's always been guiding me, leading me throughout uh, my career. And I think he's been a huge influence on my life, definitely probably the first mentor I've had. And then along my way, my different stops, I've definitely had different mentors and people that have guided me. Um, there's two of the guys in Northwestern that the director and one of the assistant directors that are definitely, um, I'll call, they'll they'll tell me to call me, call them anytime if I need help with anything. And then I'd say um, at Tennessee, there's definitely one guy, one of the assistants, he's not there anymore, but I'll always call him when I need help and always try to provide as much value for him. And then my current boss right now, his name is Kyle Regensburg. um, He's the one that gave me this opportunity and I think I learned so much from him um, over my years, over my, my first year here. He's taught me so much, and he's I always call him uh, Dr. Regensburg. He's not a doctor, but he just has these crazy, like, programming ideas. He goes off on his rants. There's things like I've never even thought of in the world. He's a big conjugate guy, actually. That's awesome. <laughs> he's not, like, tied down to it, but he loves it, and he's able to play around with it in so many different ways. That um, I've been able to learn so much about programming, and just about like the job market and coaching in general. So I think um, it's important for people to realize you don't just, it's not just a one thing, one person thing. Like you don't have to like slowly pick and choose just one person to, co- to mentor you. You can have as many mentors as you want, as long as it's a meaningful relationship and both of you guys get something out of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you do a great job of this a lot better than I do. You, how do you stay connected with all the strength coaches that you meet? Like,
1: oh, okay. you met
0: a lot of strength coaches, and you, I remember you pulling up that Excel sheet of like people that you've emailed and stuff like that before. Like, how do you keep up with you know connecting with your previous strength coaches and just networking in general?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's so important in this field. People need to understand like it's more so building connections than anything um especially i mean this is plays more so to like the power five level but it's a very um relationship oriented game it's not like i hate to say it; it's not as much credentials as it is relationship and there's nothing wrong with that i'm not bashing on anybody i think it's if you can trust somebody to work for you or something like that then i would i would 100 hire them too um i think people need to realize the value of relationships a lot more and Some people call it like politics, but I mean, you can call it that. But if you're building a good relationship with somebody that's big time, like there's nothing wrong with that, you know. And so I've kind of realized that um, over the past year or so. And so what I do is I try to I challenge myself like um, over the summers, I do it a little more frequently. But throughout the year, I challenge myself to maybe once a month or once every two months reach out to a new strength coach or a new professional that I want to, that maybe I want to learn from, you know? And the key here is you don't ask them for a job or internship. You just ask them if you can learn from them real quick and ask them a few questions on the phone or see if you can provide them any type of value, like send them a research article or send them some work you've done or something that you think could be of value to them. And I think that's important. Like they don't want to just hear that you want a job or you want an internship. You know, and then once you once you build that initial relationship, I think it's important to maintain it. I've heard some people say they write letters like maybe once a year to all the strength coaches they know just to catch up. And then the easier way is just shooting a text or, or a call or something, like maybe once or twice a year. Like for example, some of the some of the football strength coaches I know, I'll always text them at the beginning of the season, hey, like good luck this season, you know um then they know like oh this guy actually cares like you remember like he's not just some random kid that just wanted information from you know and um i think you should i mean you prioritize what's important to you you know And it's important to me to build those relationships and hopefully get at that level and so i think you just have to understand the game of what it is right it's a connection game and you have to get to know more people and not just for the network right get to know them and get to know them as people and see if you could provide value for them i think that's what it is it's almost like i'm i'm sometimes an idiot i'll forget everything so for me i have to like systemize everything and what i'll do is like every three to four months i'll sit down and make sure all right like did i did i build a new relationship or did i maintain an old one and stuff like that um some people might think i'm a psycho for that but yeah
0: that's how i do it you're kind of you're really organized that's one thing i really knows about you and like like you're you're super organized you have like an excel sheet for almost everything <laughs> like i see you've <laughs> yeah, got like finances there. and there's like an excel sheet for that here's like uh what is it the internship stuff and there's a google form and i'm pretty sure that google form is hooked up to a google sheet yeah, yeah exactly yeah so so that's that's huge i think having number one staying connected with coaches you know i think social media has helped a lot of that especially like on twitter where people are like just connecting left and right and you know that that's where almost 90 percent of my connections came from are from you know twitter social media you know it's how i met you It's how i met monty is how i met a lot of other guys so
1: I think that's so so important. Like some people don't realize that. Like some people are like, Oh, I can't build a network. Like, yeah, you can. You just have to put yourself out there. You know, and it's not even about putting yourself out there. It's that everything's at a touch of a finger now, you know, like yep. Twitter, you could just DM somebody, Instagram, you could DM somebody. My first internship was at Parisi Speed School in Chicago. And I actually dm the personal trainer that was there and for and to see if he he had any internship spots open. And that's how I got my first internship you know what I mean and when I was emailing places to transfer to when I went to Eastern Illinois I probably emailed hundreds of coaches Um, and then I landed on EIU but like it's everything with technology everything's just right there at the tab of a button so there's really no excuse most of the time coaches will be responsive sometimes they won't which is fine they're busy but like somebody will respond to you you know
0: somebody will give you a shot absolutely you know, if, and most coaches, especially strength coaches, you know, they can seem a little intimidating and I'll be honest, strength conditioning Twitter is very intimidating. Oh
1: man. It, yeah. it can
0: be, you put something wrong out there. Oh man. People are going to be on you,
1: but yeah, I, I try to stay off of SNC Twitter. I try not to post the uh, training stuff on
0: there. <laughs> I got kind of bold with it and you know,
1: I, it's good, though. We need we need guys, like, you to actually get bored with your thoughts out there. Man,
0: man, you know, there's, when I put out that blog about, you know, I, I like going back to the freshman no barbell program just because yeah. it's something that uh, you know, I don't think people have really seen out there, right. or, and, you know, if they did it, they, they're too afraid to kind of, like, put it out there for the open, you know, have people, you know, look at it. At some point, I'm like, I don't care, you know. I'm gonna put this out. This is my opinion. You know, I I can give you the claim for it, and right now the freshmen are doing it right now. So in about five weeks, I'm gonna see it. they got bigger, faster, or stronger. And exactly. Uh, I'm, I'm
1: as long as it works for them. For them, that's all that matters.
0: Right. And like, and I love strain conditioning Twitter, so I could put out a bold point and say, and I got like this is my opinion and it's you know, all like that. But I mean, like. At the same time, you are telling me, like, everything's at the tip of your fingers. Like, there is so much good resources in Twitter and just social media out there. That's how I learned more. I learned more from Twitter than I did from the essentials of strength and conditioning.
1: <laughs> exactly. hundred percent. So,
0: yeah, Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. All right. So, next one here is, what advice would you give a young student or athlete that wants to go into strength and conditioning slash sport performance?
1: okay that's a good question i think first thing you have to realize is that um you have two you have um one big resource uh, well two big i would say things at your disposal whether you have anything or not you have your time you have your hard work um, those are two things nobody could take away from you you could put that wherever you want and i think you need to realize that to get into athletics whether it's strength conditioning or anything else you have to volunteer your time and you have to work hard um and connections obviously but at the beginning you're not going to have connections so your hard work and your time are working or what are going to build you your connections um and i think those those are the two biggest things so if you want to get into strength conditioning you have to find somewhere to volunteer and it sucks um i don't think interns should be unpaid but that's just where we are in our industry right now like that's another hot topic yeah, another hot topic for another day for sure. We could go on an hour about that, but you like you'll probably end up working fifty hours on day if you go to a full time internship, right? And that's just the name of the game. If you really want it like that, then you'll do it. Yeah. Um, if you don't think that's worth it? Then don't be in this field because you're this field. Like I don't think anybody gets to this field for the money. Uh, <laughs> definitely get into the field more for the satisfaction of training young people and changing lives, but. I think those are the two big things. When you when you get to an internship, you just need to work your butt off, do whatever you can um, yeah. to, to take weight off the director's plate. And I think that's your number one goal is to make your boss's job easier at any internship, not just in strength and conditioning. But I think, yeah, those are the two biggest things, your time and your hard work.
0: So let's go ahead and go into this question here. So where do you see yourself in about – Say three years, five years, and ten years.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, so I don't usually like to put like timelines on these things, but um, I will say, obviously, after I graduate from Millersville, I would definitely like to be a full-time strength coach somewhere, whether it's an assistant or um, an assistant or a head coach. And I think um, I would. I like to move back to the Midwest where my family is. But I know how coaching is; you can't always pick and choose when you're a young coach, uh, which is fine. Um, After that, I'm not going to put a timeline on when I want to be a head coach, but when the right opportunity comes, um, I'm hoping I'll be be able to take that right opportunity. Um, Then after after I'm a head coach, I definitely see myself stepping into administration Um, after I'm coaching for a while. I think the longer I've been working in college athletics, the more passion I've had for like, Student athletes as a whole outside of the weight room. Um, I still love the weight room, don't get me wrong, but my ultimate goal is definitely to be an assistant athletic director, probably overseeing um, like all the sports performance disciplines, like sports medicine, strength conditioning, sports nutrition, sports psych. That's definitely kind of through my graduate efforts, like graduate classes, that's kind of what I'm trying to focus on right now. Um, and I think, I just think when I'm older, I, I, would like to have more of a managerial type of role and a little bit more of a say in what goes on and stuff like that. And I think we, though that position is something that's coming up a lot newer now in the past decade. And I think we need more strength coaches and roles like that, um, to be able to be a voice. Um, for most of those roles are athletic trainers, which is fine. They they're doing a great job, but definitely need more strength coaches in that role as well. So I think that's probably my final like uh, career goal, hopefully, if I could get there one day.
0: <laughs> gotcha, man, gotcha. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So, what are your biggest strengths and weaknesses as a coach?
1: Okay, Um, I'd say my biggest strength, this wasn't always my strength, but I say now my biggest strength is probably the communication and the, and the building relationships part. I wasn't always good at that, but I think after practice of just being in the trenches, coaching every day, it's just, uh, it's just a part of me now, it's just natural. Um, I think um, a weakness, I would say, is more so on the X's and O's side, like the programming side. I definitely still need a lot of work there. Uh, I'd say my biggest weakness is probably with speed training and like field work in general. Um, I've been learning a lot at the place I'm at now. My career boss is such a uh, genius to so that kind of stuff, so I've been learning so much from them. Um, I think a big part of me learning is also like I've been practicing that kind of stuff as well. I think before I came from Mother's I don't think I really did any speed training or running or plyos as much to myself. Um, I think practicing that kind of stuff is what's getting me a lot better. But I think that right now is probably uh, how to program speed training and fit in plyos and dynamic effort work into my programming is definitely something that I need to work on a lot more.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, program is huge, man. Like, yeah. I didn't realize how important that learning programming is. And that's something that, like, when I was at Eureka, they didn't have a programming course or, you know, they didn't have a class that taught you that stuff. It was kind of, like, pre-assumed that you would know, you know, your exercise selection and order and all that stuff. and right. That stuff can get really complicated and really messy really quickly. So that's why, you know, and a lot of coaches like you, me, and a few others, keep it really simple to where it's it's not over complicated you just go boom 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 done
1: yeah get in do your work get out
0: <laughs> get in yeah get in do it and get out absolutely yeah um you kind of talked about this a little bit but what are your fo- top five coaches that influence you in strength conditioning
1: oh that's a good one um okay I think that's really – okay, so number one, I would probably say um, Coach Donnell Boucher. He was at the Citadel. He's currently um, in the business side of things now. He's with play. Um, I think his his um, outlook on leadership and, like, organizational development are huge. And I think um, I think that's, that's like – I think that's like 65% of the job is that kind of stuff, like leadership, um, communication, that kind of stuff. Uh, I'd say two would be one of my former bosses. His name is Adam Herman. Uh, He's the director of Olympic sports at Northwestern. Um, He's not really big on social media. He doesn't really put content out or anything like that. I don't think I even follow him on any social media. But um, he's also another one of those guys that's big into organizational structure and stuff like that. When I came there is when I first realized how to properly run a, a strength conditioning department and what professionalism really looks like within strength conditioning and um, how to kind of elevate your department from people looking at us as just like meatheads in the basement weight room to now like we can be a part of the administrative staff and stuff like that and when he was there when he's still there he sits on like the senior staff there with athletics and so I kind of got to see he gave me an insight into how a lot of that stuff works and how to properly work with athletic training and um, how to be on the same page Um, I think that kind of like the managerial side is huge to me um i think my first one of my first um bosses at eastern illinois his name is joe orosco um uh he actually passed away in december of 20 november of 2020 um he was a football director of football performance at eastern illinois i don't think this list would be complete without him he's definitely gave me my first opportunity with football um he he's the one that kind of told me about the Northwestern opportunity for the team from Northwestern. Um, I learned so much from him on the football side of things. He's kind of who kind of gave me my passion for the football side of strength and conditioning, for sure. Um, and then I don't know if I have five, but I would say, I mean, the the next one I would say is my current boss, uh, Kyle Um, uh, You guys should follow him on Twitter and Instagram. He definitely puts out great content, uh, but he's, I don't think, he's the one that kind of opened up my mind to different programming styles outside of what I already know. Um, and coming here, we sh- there's a certain amount of teams that we share duties in, just because there's so many and there's only two of us. So, I, so it kind of forces me to coach his programming style with some of the teams. And so I get to coach somebody else's program and he sits down and teaches me what his thought process is behind his, his different like programs uh, with his different teams and he's always kind of messing around with it and playing with it and um uh, it's interesting to see his different insights and looks on all that kind of stuff so i think he is he's definitely um probably yeah he's definitely on that list too
0: gotcha gotcha absolutely um who is a coach that you think everyone should be following either on twitter or instagram or whatever? Who's a coach that you think everyone should be following?
1: Yeah. Um, I'd say oh, there's so many. Blanking on a lot of them. But I think a big a big name, I think, is Alan Bishop for sure. Alan Bishop is great. Um, I think when it comes to basketball strength and conditioning, he's really got it locked in and got it down to science and art. And I think he puts out content on a great level. So he's definitely a good resource to learn from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I see him on Twitter from time to time. You know, I try to read this. You know, some of his stuff. It's like that. So yeah, yeah, he's, yeah he's definitely
1: on Twitter
0: good. Twitter for, for sure. Yeah, definitely a good resource. Okay, last question here. Uh, we All kind right. of rolled through this pretty quickly. Last question okay. here. What changes would you like to see in the field of strength conditioning?
1: Hmm. Okay. Um, I kind of touched on this a little bit more, and this is this is kind of outside of SNC, but also kind of interconnected. I think sports science is like a huge thing that's coming up now and, um, yeah. kind of the, the United States has kind of been backwards in its way of, of going about sports science. The rest of the world has done sports science first and then strength and conditioning. Um, the United States could just kind of got right into the practical side of strength and conditioning and, been, and now we're only going into sports science. Um, to me, sports science is really just a study of sports. It um, doesn't matter whether it's about performance or analytics or um, game numbers, whatever, but it's just a study of sports. And I think um, to have that academic side of things connected is huge. And I also think with that um, comes the collaboration of like the high performance model. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but um, it's basically where all kind of the performance disciplines work together. I kind of touched on it before like sports medicine, nutrition, psychology. And strength and conditioning all kind of work together to provide a better service. I think where we need to go next with the field is strength coaches need to understand that um, we need to really kind of break down the silos and kind of um, drop our egos and start to work with the athletic trainers more, work with the nutritionists more and vice versa. They should want to work with us more too, but um, I'd say that's a tall task, but I think that's where the field needs to go. And I think a lot of times we kind of just got caught up in, okay, just the weight room numbers and stuff. And I think we definitely need to be aware that there are other elements of student athlete development just outside of the weight room. Um, and that's not to say that we should be like doing an, an, a registered dietitian's job. That's not at all a word to say, but um, just be aware that the student athlete grows in different ways not just the not just in the weight room
0: right and I, before we go here i want to hold on to the idea that you had about sports science well uh-huh. sports science has been coming up i've been seeing on you know you know social media that you know d1 the big power five pro- programs are now having like directors of sports science and sports scientists coming up do you think that is something that will Change the game of strength and conditioning, you know, as it progresses on.
1: Yeah, so I think I think it's interesting that sports scientists are coming from strength and conditioning per se, um, because sports science can apply to all aspects of sports. But I think it is something that will change the game for sure. Um, like I said, I think sports science is simply just the study of sports. So if we're studying and researching our athletes more, the more we can provide for them. And I think it it is good that people in the states like the institutions here in the united states are actually becoming aware of that we need sports science directors um i'm hoping that can roll out to like every school but i mean obviously not all schools have the resources to do that um but i think that is another huge like pillar that needs to be um thought about when when training athletes
0: yeah absolutely and Um, sports science is something I've kind of dabbling into now because, you know, we don't have the technology like team builder or rap coach, you know, that kind of does and brings us the information for us and, you know, breaks it down.
1: Right.
0: You know, I'm kind of doing everything manually by hand and, you know, kind of picking out the pieces here and there. And, you know, it's kind of cool to see like sports science intertwined with you know, having that academic side 100%. with the practical side and just kind of collaborate, it's, it's been pretty yeah. cool.
1: Yeah, I've heard somebody even say, like, if you don't have a sports scientist at your school or, or a team, like, you are the sports scientist. Like, as a strength coach, right. we're literally in the lab every day. Like, we're seeing the ad- the numbers athletes put up. And it's up to yep. us to record that stuff and, like, really put that stuff out there and, and try to improve on that stuff. Um Man. I think – yeah, a lot of times, like we think of sports science as like the technology side, um, but it's so much deeper than that. It's um just the study and the improvement of the numbers. Um, but yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Aaron, I appreciate you being on here, man. It's uh, it was awesome. You know, uh, we've only kind of chit chat a couple times outside of you know Twitter and you know kind of DM here and there, but uh, uh I really. You know, appreciate you coming on here and telling your story and your side of things as a GA and as, you know, a strength condition coach, kind of going through like internships and all this other stuff to be where you're at right now, man. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, 100%. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on here, John Mark.
0: Yes, sir. Well, that's another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Uh, in the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today. Aaron, I appreciate you, man.
1: Thank you.